Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for February 23rd, 2018. Full 11 game slate. So we'll get into this so it doesn't take too long. And then I would say this at the start of big slates. Don't dig too deep for value plays. Just kind of try to play the more obvious guys because there's going to be a lot of guys who are in play for slates this large. So first game on the slate is the Atlanta Hawks at the Indiana Pacers. From the Hawks side of the game, uh, let's see, what is Dwayne Dedman's up to 5,700 now? John Collins at 4,500. I think Dennis Schroeder is okay to roster at 7,000, but to me, the other guys like Dedman and Collins are just too expensive now. They are playing more minutes now that um, basically Miles Plumley isn't part of the rotation. But still, I, I think just Dennis Schroeder, if I had to roster one of them from the Pacers side of the game, uh, I think Victor Oladipo is fine to roster to pay up for. And Corey Joseph is still only 4,900. He has a good individual matchup against Dennis Schroeder. He struggled a little bit his first few games as a starter, but there was a lot of foul trouble issues. Last game against the Nets, he stayed out of foul trouble, played 36 minutes, and scored 42 fantasy points. So I still think that he's a fine play at 4,900. Yeah, I think you might have said um, 4,500 for John Collins. He's at 5,500, so I think that probably takes him out of play. This yeah, is, definitely. This is kind of a tough game. Um, yeah, I think Corey Joseph and Victor Oladipo, those guys, are worth considering. We don't have a Vegas line yet, but there is definitely some blowout risk here. The Pacers are at home. Uh, I'm not sure why there's no Vegas line. Um, Schroeder and... Schroeder and Ilyasova both missed last game. Right, they're both probable right now, so... They should play, but I guess Vegas just hasn't put out a betting line yet because they're not 100% sure. Uh, yeah, I guess Schroeder's fine to roster. I think I'd be more inclined to use him if I had interest in stacking the game and then just putting him in game stacks. I, I kind of feel this way about Schroeder in general because he tends to play a lot more when the game's close and not that much when it's a blowout, like disproportionately compared to other younger players. Uh, the Hawks, even as a rebuilding team, still don't play their starters that much in garbage time. Other teams like the Nets or the Kings or some other bad teams, they still do play their younger players in garbage time. But Schroeder never really plays if the game's out of hand. So I think I'd only want to use him really if I'm stacking it to get that advantage where the game stays close. Uh, so maybe I'd pair him with Oladipo and Joseph or something like that. But I don't have too much interest in him overall. All right, next game is the Boston Celtics at the Detroit Pistons. This should be one of the lower-scoring games on the slate. Uh, even though the Pistons are playing at a faster pace with Blake Griffin, it's still always a tough matchup playing against Boston. Boston plays at a slow pace. They're also number one in defensive efficiency in the league. From the Celtics side of the game, it's just hard to target them when everybody's healthy because the production tends to be so spread out. They have a bunch of really solid players, and just guys like Kyrie Horford, yeah, good players. They have decent games, but rarely do any of them have like GPP winning type performances. From the Pistons side of the game, Andre Drummond is pretty cheap at ninety three hundred. Uh, he was ten thousand six hundred for the game right before the All Star break, and has actually been over ten thousand for four consecutive games. So even though it's a tough matchup at ninety three hundred, I think is just a little bit too cheap for Drummond. Yeah, I, I agree with you on Drummond, and the Celtics have given up some big games to opposing centers. Even if you don't buy into that at all, it certainly is true that Drummond is less dependent on point scoring for 
fantasy production than other high-end players, like other high-priced guys. Um, he can definitely put up a big fantasy game, even if the Pistons aren't scoring a lot because of the rebounds and the blocks and everything that he does on defense. So I like Drummond, even though it's a tough matchup. And then one other guy, uh, Anthony Tolliver at 3,700, I think is okay to use. But if Reggie Bullock's out, that's just one less guy to compete for minutes uh, on the wing for Detroit. So that could open up enough to make maybe James Ennis or Stanley Johnson. Uh, but I think Tolliver would be that guy to use as a punt play. James Ennis is only 3,400, actually, and Stanley Johnson's 4,700. Uh, so I think you'd have to consider all of those guys at least a little bit if Reggie Bullock isn't playing. All right, the next game we have here is the Charlotte Hornets at the Washington Wizards. Tail end of a back-to-back for the Hornets, end on the road. Dwight Howard had a really big game tonight, and his price has actually gone down a little bit to 7800 Here's my concern about Dwight Howard. He had a ridiculous game against the Nets. We're just awful against centers. The Wizards were really bad against centers for a while this year. They're still not great against them, except they're not one of the worst teams in the league. It's not like the matchup against the Nets. Dwight Howard still played under 30 minutes tonight in that game against the Nets, and this is a tail end of a back-to-back. I I probably don't want to roster Dwight Howard too much until his price comes back down to like the low 7,000 range that it was earlier in the season because he's just not going to be playing that many minutes with Cody Zeller there. We saw tonight he had a great game. It was a competitive game, and he played a little under 30 minutes. So to me, I think Dwight Howard, who – Nobody's going to be that chalked because there's 11 games on the slate, but I just think there's better options than Howard. From the Wizards side of the game, uh, let's see. We have the Wizards at home, big home road splits for a lot of their guys. Still Bradley Beal, a little bit too expensive. Somebody who I do think is kind of interesting is Kelly Oubre Jr., who is priced at 4500 Oubre played 32 minutes tonight against the Cavs. Actually, the last few games, 32 minutes, 27, 39, 33, 33. So his minutes have been up for the season. He is not a terrific point-per-minute producer. He's scoring 22 fantasy points per game in 28 minutes. We consider now that he's playing a mid-30s amount of minutes. I think that's a decent amount of pricing value in him at just 4500 Yeah, I agree with you on Oubre. Um, I have a little bit of a disagreement on Dwight Howard. I agree with you that he's too expensive, but the disagreement is just the ownership. Uh, there aren't really a lot of... I guess it's kind of a thin slate in terms of value. Like, I don't think that it'll be as spread out ownership-wise as you maybe are saying. Like, I think Dwight Howard could be really chalky because there just aren't that many obvious picks that I think people are going to gravitate towards. And he is cheaper than he was against the Nets, and he had a really good game. Like, I think Dwight Howard could be 30 or 40% owned. And if that's the case, I think there's even more reason to fade him. Dwight Howard is foul-prone, um... Sometimes he just doesn't play because Cody Zeller and Frank Kaminsky are outplaying him or the Hornets go small ball or whatever. So I think it does make sense for tournaments to just stay away from Dwight Howard because there could be a lot of leverage if he doesn't do well. And like you said, it's not as easy of a matchup against the Wizards as it was maybe a month or two ago. Okay, next game, the Milwaukee Bucks at Toronto Raptors. Uh, Let's see, Giannis at 10,500. Um, is I feel like that is kind of just where he's been priced recently. Uh, yeah, right around there. He did have a really big game, 77 fantasy points before the All-Star break. But before then, he'd kind of just been between 45 to 55 for a while. So 
Uh, Giannis at 5,500, a tough matchup in Toronto on the road. Toronto is now at, they are tied for third with the Sixers for defensive efficiency. So, tough matchup for Milwaukee. I think there's going to be better places to target players. Uh, the Toronto side of the game. Let's see, what is the pricing on? I think Kyle Lowry is too cheap at 7,400. Not a great matchup against Eric Bledsoe. Either way, I just think that 7400 too cheap for Lowry. He's been priced at 8100 as recently as two weeks ago and has been as high as 8600 this year. Uh, so I like that price for Lowry. Uh, let's see. Jo- what have Jonas Valentin? Has Valentinus minutes gone up at all recently? No, not really. Still plays 20 to 25 minutes a game. He comes close to hitting value in the first quarter basically every single night and then just doesn't play much the rest of the game. So Kyle Lowry, I think, is the play here. Yeah, I think it's Kyle Lowry also. Um, I think Eric Bledsoe's in play. I think maybe Giannis is in play. He's definitely going to be one of the lower-owned expensive players on this slate in Toronto, which, again, I, I think I've mentioned this several times, but the Raptors are good defensively, but they also play fast. So it's not like it's the worst matchup in the world to play against them. I think it is probably a slightly negative matchup, but it's probably a little bit easier of a situation than people may realize. Um, there's also some sharp money on the Bucks already. They've dropped from eight and a half point underdogs to I think the number seven now. Uh, so a point and a half the night before the game definitely significant, and it's kind of with no news. So um, I will say this also. I don't know what the reasoning would be for this. But Milwaukee and Toronto, off the top of my head, have played really high-scoring games every time they've played against each other this year. Well, I know they had one overtime game, but I'm pretty sure that game was in the 110s or so at the end of regulation anyway. So that game was, yeah, around 220, I think, at the end of regulation. A little bit over what the over-under was for that game and a little higher than what it is tonight. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Raptors go more small ball when they play against the Bucs. I'm pretty sure that the last time they played each other, Valanchunas didn't play—he might have played three minutes in the second half. Like It was even more extreme than what the Raptors usually do with Valanchunas. So maybe they feel like their best bet against the Bucks, who don't really have a center that can score, maybe they just go smaller, and that's why the games are higher scoring. And Henson's out anyway, so it might just be a small ball game for both sides, because just the way that they normally play against each other and then the injury situation. Uh, yeah, I would think uh, I think that can make some sense. Uh, the last time they played each other, they had the one overtime game, and then the time they played each other after that, the Raptors won 129 to 110. So those are like really far outliers in terms of the pace that the Bucks usually play at and what the spreads have been for the totals have been for that game. So I think there could be something about the way the teams match up against each other just creates more pace. And the over-under for this game is 215 anyway, so I think the the baseline, assuming how they normally play, 215 is still a reasonably high number. I think it just is that the Raptors, it's just the case that the Raptors play higher scoring games than people think because they're thought of as a good defensive team with Ibaka and Valanchunas at the rim, and they are a good defensive team, but they're just a little bit more up-tempo than people may realize. And yeah, I think there is a little bit of something to this matchup. Yeah, I mean, still the issue, just from a DFS perspective, is that they are one of the best teams in the league at limiting fantasy points to almost every single position other than uh, other than center. So that is a little bit of a turnoff from that end. Um, 
But so, what, which which players do you think you target from Milwaukee? Because I actually I still don't think I'm really going to roster any of them. So if I'm playing for some type of mini game stack, definitely not a full on game stack because of the slate size and also just only mild confidence that this sort of theory would work. But I think it would be something like Lowry with Bledsoe and or Giannis. I think it's just those three guys that I'd be limited to. Okay. Uh, next game here is the Cleveland Cavaliers at the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, another team not really in a great spot. The Cavs, their minutes have been really spread out amongst all of their guys other than LeBron. I'm going to check what their minutes are really quick. And then obviously tail end of a back-to-back in uh, Memphis is not a great situation for Pace. So the Cavaliers guard minutes today, I'm trying to see if anybody played more minutes. Um, George Hill played 31. Uh, Rodney Hood, 27. And then everybody else was kind of spread out. I, I still think eventually George Hill is going to be a consistent, like, 30-plus minutes per game guy. I, I would be willing to roster him at 4,500 because I think that's cheap enough. Uh, I think LeBron is fine to roster 11,200. He's very safe. The The role for LeBron now with all these players is basically there's just a lot of shooters around him. So LeBron has the ball in his hands almost all the time in the offense. Now he's a lot more space to operate, and he's – been much better and the Cavs have been much better with this team as opposed to their pre-trade team where they had uh, you know Isaiah Thomas and Dwayne Wade so I think LeBron's in play I think George Hill's in play from the Memphis side of the game really strong matchup for Memphis the Cavs have not been good on defense this year they play at a fast pace it's gonna be the talent of a back-to-back for them so I think Marcus Sol is in play I think Tyreek Evans is in play I think Andrew Harrison's a good play and Jamichael Green's been starting recently and has had a bunch of really good games. I think he's fine to roster at 4,600 also. Yeah, I think this game is actually pretty stackable. It should be closer than most people think because uh, it is the second half of a back-to-back, and I think the Cavs are just a little bit overrated. They've been overrated all year. They've covered something like 25% of their games. They've covered the spread in. Uh, the line for this game's already dropped from 5.5 down to 5, but... If you're stacking a game, I really only have confidence in LeBron and basically no one else. So I think it would make sense to use three or four Grizzlies guys in the same lineup as LeBron and kind of just leave it at that, especially because the slate is so large. I don't think it's necessary to to make lineups where you have seven players from the same game or something like that. Um, So maybe two to three Grizzlies guys paired with LeBron. I think all those Memphis guys, like you said, uh, are worth using. Um, would you make lineups with Gasol and Tyreek both in them because they definitely take some usage away from each other? Um, so is that something you would only do in a game stack, or do you think it's fine because of the, just the value against Cleveland? No, I think LeBron would have to be in that lineup also. Yeah, I think the upside you get is a close game where the upside from Gasol plus Evans is only really happening if you get a close game. Uh, unless Memphis just blows out Cleveland or something. But yeah, more more likely than not, for both of those players to have high-ceiling games, LeBron is going to have to do something too, or at least play a lot of minutes. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I think it, it would be a mini-stack or just kind of play one of them at a time. All right, next game, the Miami Heat at the New Orleans Pelicans. The Heat, uh, I think Hassan Whiteside makes sense as an upside play. Definitely not a cash game play because the minutes are all over the place, but... 7,100 is just cheap for his kind of upside. Uh, He has actually been a little bit more consistent recently. He has scored at least 31 fantasy points in five consecutive games, but he also has like the 50-plus fantasy point upside. So it's 7,100. I think he's a good play for the upside. The the guards, 
it's just a stay away for me right now for Miami with Drogic and Wade and Tyler Johnson. There's just so many guys now that they've added Wade to that team also. So I am not on them. Um, the Hornet side of the game, or the Pelicans, I mean, sorry. <laughs> um, I think Anthony Davis has found a roster at 11,100. He's just been really consistent ever since DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. Uh, more games over 60 fantasy points than games under 60 fantasy points. So uh, Anthony Davis at 11,100 I think is also a good guy to pay up for. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I it is, a, it is kind of a hard matchup, but yeah, it's just kind of easy to use Anthony Davis. This is a little bit cheaper than he's been in some of the games. Uh, I'm fine with him. Uh, what do you think about Miritich and then also James Johnson at 4,700? I know there were a bunch of times where we used him a couple weeks ago and he put up a few duds, but he's actually been better recently, and it's also a good matchup against the Pelicans. So I think Miritich is just kind of cheap enough where the GBP upside is always there for him, just the nature of how he plays, and then James Johnson just seems kind of underpriced. Uh, let me check. I think James Johnson's minutes have been down, though, since Wade got there, because they've also been trying to play Bam out of bio minutes and Justice Winslow. So here's the minutes the last few games for James Johnson. 21, 28, 21, 36, and 18. So I don't know why I played 36 that one game, but it's just it's not enough minutes for me to roster him with this many games. Yeah, I think you could do some kind of game stack, and then it would make sense. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a bit of a reach. So I guess to use James Johnson or Miritich, maybe you want Whiteside and Anthony Davis in those lineups too. But at the same time, James Johnson benefits if Whiteside gets in foul trouble. Miritich probably benefits if Anthony Davis gets in foul trouble. So it's kind of hard to say if there's positive or negative correlation between those players. Um, I think that they warrant some exposure, but it's also hard to tell because, it's still the day before, and we have injuries that are certainly going to come out. Uh, but I, th- I think they, they'd be players who would make my player pool, but I'm, I'm just not sure how much yet. All right. Uh, next game, the Minnesota Timberwolves at the Houston Rockets. This should be a very high-scoring game. The players are also pretty expensive. Um, I think people might want to roster Jeff Teague because he had a good game the last time that he matched up against Chris Paul. Uh yeah, that's not going to happen with consistency. Jeff Teague has not been great this year. Chris Paul is one of the better defenders in the league. I think that Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns are both fine targets, uh, but no Teague for me in a matchup against Paul. From the Houston side of the game, uh, let's see. What is the pricing on Harden at 11400 Paul at $9,100? Uh, I think I would prefer to roster... LeBron or Anthony Davis to James Harden. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, let's see. This game has an over-under at 226. It's going to be popular. Um, I do think there's some blowout risk here. The Rockets have already moved from 7.5 to 8.5 point favorites. So you kind of look at this game and there's a lot of high-profile players. And I think most people would think of it immediately as a stack spot. But the Rockets are definitely a good amount better than the Wolves. Uh, So I'm not predicting a blowout, but I think it's more likely than actually most of the other games on this slate. I think the only game that might have more blowout risk than this is probably just the Pacers-Hawks game. So for that reason, I'd want to be a little light on the Houston side, but a blowout also doesn't matter, as we've seen for, uh, for Minnesota. But I think that's just more reason to stay away from Houston a little bit. And 
with everyone healthy, it's just kind of hard to use the Rockets anyway. So I don't know, maybe a little bit of exposure to Butler or Towns, but that might be it for me. And I, I don't even think I'll use that much of them either. All right, the next game we have here is the Clippers at the Suns. Uh, this is a really strong spot for the Clippers just in terms of the matchup because the Suns are awful. It is the talent of a road back-to-back, uh, but there still could be – still uh, like that, that doesn't deter me from playing a team against Phoenix who plays at – what are they now? Third in pace and like second to last in defensive efficiency. Oh, last in defensive efficiency and uh, third in pace. Uh, fourth in pace now. So, yeah, so really go. strong matchup. The the one thing to look for for the Clippers here is, is Avery Bradley going to play or not play? He missed uh, Thursday night's game with a groin injury, and Doc Rivers basically said that he's a game-time decision for every game the rest of the season because the groin injury isn't going to get better. So if he's out, then it means more minutes for guys like Austin Rivers, Lou Williams, uh, and... I think that also, just pay attention to, because as we're doing this right now, there's still three minutes left in the first half of the Clippers-Warriors game. So I think we need to pay attention to how the minutes shake out for the Clippers with Avery Bradley out tonight, and then just target whichever guys play a lot of minutes tomorrow night against the Suns if Bradley's out again. Because those will be the guys that probably have the most value on them. From the Phoenix side of the game, uh, let's see. We have Devin Booker, 8,000. Uh, Alex Lynn, I think, is a really strong play at 4,800. He started last game with Tyson Chandler out, and Tyson Chandler's out again. Uh, uh, Alex Lynn played 38 minutes, scored 36 fantasy points against the Utah Jazz. So Lynn, probably one of the stronger value plays on the slate. Uh, I think Alfred Payton is okay to roster, only for GPPs, not cash games. I think Devin Booker is an okay play. And overall, I think this is a pretty good game to stack, especially if Avery Bradley's ruled out. I don't know. The the prices on Peyton and Booker seem more like fair to me, but yeah, I, I think there is some there is some reason to stack the game because we do sort of know which players will be in the game for Phoenix if the game stays close. Uh, there was a while this season where the Suns just kind of had random rotations outside of Booker and Warren. But with Peyton as the point guard, there's more security for minutes. Alex Len really looks like he'll be the only center that's playing. Um, I guess Marquise Chris or Dragon Bender could take some minutes from him. But I definitely like Len as a play no matter what. Uh, so the game is stackable, but I don't think I'll use much of the Suns outside of Len otherwise. And then, yeah, if Bradley's out, that does open up more scoring for a lot of other Clippers guys. I think Danilo Gallinari would be a pretty strong play, but I think he's usable anyway. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, I think, might be priced up to the point where uh, we finally see accounting for Blake Griffin not being there anymore. Yeah, he's at 8,300, and this also is the second half of a road back-to-back, so I guess it'll it'll be worth monitoring, like you said, how the rest of the Warriors game goes, because I think it is reasonably close right now as we're recording. If the game turns into a blowout and these Clippers guys play less minutes, then they're more rested for the Phoenix game. Uh, I, I guess that makes a small difference, but I, I think I'd be light on DeAndre Jordan anyway. I think I'd be light on Peyton, light on TJ Warren. So I think for any of these guys outside of Len and maybe a couple wing players on the Clippers, I think I'd only use anyone else for game stacks. 
I mean, I still like Booker. Booker was 8,900 right before getting injured. So 8,000 and what at least I think should be a pretty positive matchup well, without Bradley there. Right. Yeah, that, that's a good point. If Bradley's out, I'm much higher on Booker. If Bradley plays, then I think Booker is more marginal. All right. Uh, next game here, Portland at Utah. The Portland side of the game is going to be a fade for me playing in Utah. Uh, that's just a very tough matchup, really slow pace. And then from the Utah side of the game, also probably a game that I'm going to be staying away from. Rudy Gobert, 7,300 now. Donovan Mitchell, 8,100. Portland's been a good defensive team this year. They are at uh, top 10 in defensive efficiency. So... Yeah, I think I think this is a fine game to stay away from. Both teams also played a pretty slow pace. Yeah, Portland was really, really good in their last game before the All-Star break where they beat the Warriors at home and Lillard. And I think McCollum also and Nurkic, they all had really good games. So maybe they're a little bit higher owned than they should because of the recency bias. I have no interest in them in Utah. And the Jazz have a lot of options. Uh, Ricky Rubio is back now. Did you mention him? He's No, he's, he's, uh, he's still questionable. Right, so, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, if Rubio's out, I think is still, still in play. 8,100 in a tough matchup, though. Yeah, I guess he's just, he's been so good when Rubio doesn't play, and there's so much floor. Like, he hasn't even played well in any of these games, and he still hits value basically every time, just the sheer volume of shots. Uh, we may not know Rubio's injury status before lock anyway, but I think I'd consider Mitchell even at 8,100 if we know that Rubio's out for sure. Uh, yeah, that is a little bit of a steep price in a tough matchup. But I think, well, I guess there aren't a lot of players to use in that price range, but maybe someone like Dwight Howard compared to Mitchell. I think I'd prefer Mitchell. We haven't mentioned too many other guys in that price range. Maybe Lowry or Gasol or Tyreek Evans. My favorite player in that price range is in the next game. All right, well, let's get to that game then because I think, yeah, I I can be lighter on Mitchell if we've got more guys between 75 and 8,500, uh, yeah, to choose from. All right, so Spurs at Denver. LaMarcus Aldridge is at 7,700. He got a couple games off before the All-Star break. He should be really well-rested. He's going to have to play a lot of minutes down the stretch because it looks like Kawhi Leonard's out for the season. 7,700 for Aldridge in a plus matchup against the Nuggets. He is by far my favorite player in that price range, and I way prefer him to Dwight Howard for the same price also. Um, the rest of the guys on the Spurs... Rudy Gay's back, so he's probably going to take some minutes away from the wing guys, but also is probably going to be restricted, so won't play enough for me to roster him. So it's really just LaMarcus Aldridge for me from the Spurs side of the game. From the Nugget side, I love Jokic all the time, but 10300 in a matchup against the Spurs is just kind of a fair price for me. Um, tough matchup for Denver. The only guy I really like from this game is Aldridge, and I like him a lot. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Uh, no Joffrey Laverne, even though he had the game of his life the last time the Spurs played the Nuggets. And no King Joffrey. <laughs> King Joffrey. Well, LaMarcus Aldridge didn't play in that game, so yeah, no consideration for him. Uh, yeah, it's weird to say to hear you saying that you're not using Jokic, but I, I agree. It's it's a matchup against the Spurs, and this is his highest price of the season. 10300 might be a low price for Jokic in general still, because of how good he is, but not for this matchup. So, yeah, Aldridge, really strong play, and then no one else. Final game on the slate, the Dallas Mavericks at the Los Angeles Lakers. From the Mavericks side of the game, I think that Harrison Barnes, Dennis Smith Jr., J.J. Barea, I think all of them make for fine plays. 
Uh, let me just check to make sure. Yeah, Bray was still starting last game, played 32 minutes. So I, I like all of those guys in a plus match against the Lakers. This should also be a really high-scoring game, and there's nobody who's really all that expensive in it. So from the Lakers' side of the game, uh, I think Julius Randle's in play. I think Brandon Ingram's fine at 6,200. Still need to find uh, out if Lonzo Ball's playing or not. He's listed as questionable. Uh, according to the Big Baller plan, Big Baller brand Twitter account, he is playing tomorrow. Uh, I'm probably not going to take that as a fact, though. I'll take the Lakers injury report over the Big Baller brand <laughs> Twitter account. Uh, Lonzo Ball, I think, would be a fine play at 6,600 if he plays without a minutes restriction, though. Yeah, I think he would be too. Uh, so, what would you do with Isaiah Thomas if Lonzo Ball is playing? What, like, do you have any idea what the Lakers are planning on doing when those two guys are both healthy? Well, last game Lonzo Ball was not healthy, and Isaiah Thomas still only played twenty five minutes. So, it's hard to kind of say what his role is on the Lakers because he's had three games. He played thirty minutes, five minutes in a game he got ejected, and then played twenty five minutes. So if we're just kind of splitting the differences minutes of those two games, that's he's playing like 27 to 28 minutes a game without Lonzo. And it figures it can only go down with ball active. So to me, I don't really want to roster him if Lonzo's not playing. And I almost am definitely off him if Lonzo is playing. Yeah, I just don't really understand why the Lakers traded for Isaiah Thomas to not play him. But yeah, that, that does make sense. So, also, I think this is the best game to stack on the slate. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think I think it could be. I guess it's hard. The, the guard situation with Lonzo Ball makes it a little more challenging. So, I'm not as sure there. But there are a lot of guys to like. Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, um, Harrison Barnes, J.J. Barea. Wes Matthews might be a little expensive. I don't know. I, I think it should be a really high-scoring game. I think it should be a close game. I think I would like it more as a stack spot if Lonzo Ball is out because then Isaiah Thomas is a better play. And if Ball is in, then I think it's a decent stack spot. But there really isn't a great stack spot in this slate, so it could be the best of bad choices. I might still prefer the Grizzlies-Cavs game because it's such a good matchup for Memphis playing against such a bad defense that Cleveland has, and you could just only use LeBron from Cleveland, and that's fine. But I, I think it's in consideration for best stack spot, and I think I'd give it the edge if Lonzo Ball is out. Okay, so that is going to wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GAaronBerdFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. Everybody have a good weekend, and we'll be back for Monday sleep.